Hello, Mississippi and abroad. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Welcome to another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you the relevant Mississippi talk, the SEC talk, college football talk. That's uh, what we're about here. We'd like to thank our partners at the Oxford Park Commission. Lots of good things going on at OPC with youth and adults alike. They're gearing up for flag football right now and so much more. Visit them at OxfordParkCommission.com. I am joined now by recruiting analyst Christian Bird. Christian, how are you, man? Great, Parrish. How are you? How's your summer been? Well, it's been fast. You know, it's been busy, but it's been fast. So uh, just kind of uh, eager to uh, get past August. You know, August is just a, a long, hot month. Christian, you remember this Uh and uh, it's, you know, it's camp, it's a grind. And, and when you finally get, finally get through it, the game starts, it's just like, whoo, you know, just like breathing a sigh of relief and you're, you're eager to get on with the games. And I haven't heard anything uh, about not having the games, very much unlike a year ago. But uh, just the, the whole Delta variant and the COVID cases and the strain on the hospitals, it's uh, – I know it's got everybody a little bit nervous. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I think even though we've kind of navigated through a season, I don't think anybody's surprised by anything anymore. And so everyone's just kind of sitting on pins and needles every day, hoping, you know, it, it not not to sound insensitive, but hoping we can consume football in a way that distracts us from, you know, what feels like utter chaos out there. Right. Well, let's talk about uh, some college football right now. Wanted to wanted to talk Jackson State with you a little bit and just the collection of talent, transfers and signees alike that uh, Deion Sanders has uh, has put together there for his first real season, his first fall season. I know they went three and three back there as as the SWAC moved their uh, twenty twenty season to the spring earlier this year. Uh, but first, tell me, Christian, as as a resident there in, in Metro Jackson, uh, what what do you see? What do you hear about uh, Deion Sanders? What kind of local coverage do you get uh, on Jackson State? Because it, there's there's just a strained relationship right now, it seems, between Deion and the local media. Yeah, there's there's some weird negative energy there, but the, the, the counterpart of that is that there's a lot of excitement based on what he's done in, recently and, uh, and, and with this class he brought in. I mean, if you really think about what he was able to do in terms of the transfers, we'll go over some of those guys in a little bit. It's pretty unprecedented. I can't think of any scenario this has happened, and certainly for a SWAC school, um, but I don't know that I've ever seen that many transfers of a high caliber in to, you know, some of the smaller schools that, that, that aren't BCS schools. So all that being said, um, it's not as if – there's an odd disconnect certainly between media and between Jackson State right now, specifically with the football team. But there is a ton of chatter that's still happening in this area looking forward to what – should be a, a crazy season with a lot of excitement for Jackson State. I mean, look, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm 100% going to a game. 
there's zero way I'm not going to experience this in, in, in full force. And so yeah. I have a lot of people uh, that feel the same way. Very interesting. And the other side of, of uh, Deion Sanders, since he's been the coach, has been uh, a very uh, uplifting, encouraging, uh, a theme of I want to raise the standard not only for football but for the community. Very, you know, very encouraging social media presence there since he's been in Jackson. So just kind of a, you know, kind of an, an odd, uh, an odd off season. But uh, let's see if we can move past that and talk about some football on the field. I'm, I just want to throw out some of these names to you, Christian, and you tell me what you remember and if there's a you know a nugget you've picked up about uh, uh, why uh, these players felt like they wanted to transfer you know anywhere, not just to uh, Jackson State, but uh, you know just uh, look just some some big names here. I know one of the guys they took to uh, uh, the SWAC Media Days uh, in Birmingham was Niles Gaddy. Uh, a transfer from Tennessee, an edge rusher out of Nashville in the uh, the 2018 class. Didn't see uh, recruiting ranking numbers on him, but I, I know they're really, really high on this guy. Yeah, so, I mean, well, first of all, let, let's just throw the – let's state the obvious, if we can. Le- leaving Tennessee seems to be, uh, you know, par for the course right now. I mean, I – I feel like they've lost over half their team. And for whatever reason, that well, that situation was extremely unhealthy. Um, and so if you're looking around and you are a uh, you're a prospect and you've got to get it right this time, right? I mean, you think about this, Paris. You're leaving a school, you have to get this right. One of the ways I think that where Dion enhances Jackson State is to say, well, I know there are going to be eyes on him. I know there are going to be documentaries. I know there are going to be people talking to him. I know he's going to be in the spotlight. I, so there's opportunity there. And I think for a guy like Niles Daddy, who, you know, is a Nashville resident, played at Father Ryan High School, which was a good – I mean, a, a, a solid high school. We, we, Ole Miss has recruited kids from there. I – he kind of came out as a as a two hundred and twenty pound out pound outside linebacker, and he morphed into more of an edge guy. He's an instant impact guy off the edge, and and so what I, what I think he saw, and I can't I can't speak for him, but what I think he saw was opportunity, publicity, and a chance to make an immediate impact, and that's exactly what Dion is selling. Parrish, you, you talked about how he's kind of all in from a community standpoint, he's selling that from what I can gather to the kids as well, like help change a program. And so you, I think about stories that I know about Dion right now, where a wife works at visit Jackson. She's in charge of sports tourism, association tourism, things like that. Dion will just show up and say, Hey, give, give me everything you can that I can wear when I'm recruiting. And he'll take, you know, he'll put on his Instagram a picture of, him in a visit Jackson hoodie or a shirt. And he's constantly pushing Jackson and, and, and Jackson state. And so I guess I, I took kind of a, a really big turn there, but my point is it's all going back. That same message is being conveyed to these kids that they can be part of this big change. And I think they're, they feel like there's a safety net that they won't be forgotten or they won't get looked over if Dion is there. And so I think that's the pitch. Well, I tell you what, and, and, and to really simplify things here, uh, most of these guys aren't going to leave, even for Dion, 
if they were having above average experiences sure. where they were. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you can always, you can just about always bring it back to playing time. Sometimes maybe, maybe it's personality and a conflict that way with a, a certain coach or a position coach. Sometimes it's just, hey, there's a turnover, there's a new head coach, new staff is coming, and, you know, and, and, and I don't want to be here for that. I mean, it, it, sometimes it, it's that. I mean, you can almost always uh, return the why is someone transferring out uh, to a handful of, of reasons like that. So as you mentioned, a lot of people trying to leave Tennessee, they've lost some players. Well, you know, yeah, they've, they've had that kind of turnover, but uh, a guy like, uh, like Gaddy, I mean, you know, Dion, of course he's a promoter, you know, so take this, uh, you know, take that in stride. He just absolutely gushes about Niles Gaddy and his ability to, to shed blocks and, and, and get after the quarterback. And, uh, you know, he just sounds like a guy that could be a, you know, could be a game changer uh, in the swag. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 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 listen, there there's a handful of other guys. I mean, if you go through and their transfer list, a ton of familiar names, Parrish. Uh, Malachi Wideman. Yeah. Who, you know, a guy that was high, like a top 20 wide receiver that I think Ole Miss recruited. Out of out of Florida, and he, he's a star in you know basketball, football, and track. Again, the, the you're a hundred percent right that you can almost peg when a kid leaves. It's one of three things. However, with new transfer rules in place, immediate eligibility, there's not a ton of punishment for the kid, and I think a change of scenery has done a lot of kids good. A la Otis Reese for Ole Miss. Um, I think you'll see that's the case with Springer uh, for Ole Miss for Navy. There's a, there's a, there are guys that just when they when they make a change for whatever reason they hit the reset button, fresh start. They're they're incredibly successful. I anticipate these big names being successful, but I also anticipate a lot of these three star guys. Um, you know whether they're from Ball State or Ohio or UCF, I anticipate some of these guys absolutely making huge splashes on the SWAC level. And, and I just – I don't know that there's another team that's this loaded with guys that understand what it takes to, to be successful at a high level. Well, I'll tell you, there are a bunch of names here. When you talk about transfers, you talk about transfers at Ole Miss, you might come up with three or four. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got almost two dozen – on this Jackson State roster right now, and and they're coming, you know, as you mentioned, from some solid mid-major programs, but also uh, some power fives. We're talking about Coinus Miller, a, a four-star recruit, a defensive tackle when he signed with Auburn, uh, a national 120 guy. Uh, a lot of guys in the secondary, one of them Isaiah Bolden from Florida State, uh, Aubrey Miller, James Houston, linebackers, linebackers out of Missouri and Florida. I mean, th these are guys who have been exposed to some really big programs. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting interesting to see what type, you know, what this collection of talent can do because you, you can be talented, but then you still have to come together, develop relationships. There has to be some chemistry in there somewhere. And look, I mean, we're, we're seeing what Dion 
uh, the promoter can do. And we need to see what Dion, the coach, can do. He didn't have uh, all of these guys uh, back for that spring season when they went three and three. You know, so he took a team, and I, I don't really know much, don't remember much about Jackson State in 2019. Um, but, you know, he took that team, got them together, kind of hustled them together kind of quickly after he was hired, and he went three and three. You know, you know one or two of those wins were probably against uh, overmatched opponents, but uh, one of those wins was against Grambling. I know they lost to uh, uh, Alabama State. They lost to Southern. They lost to some good SWAC teams uh, in the spring. And uh, as I look at it now, um, you know, they're picked third, picked sixth overall uh, in the SWAC media poll. So I think a lot of people are kind of taking a a wait-and-see approach with uh, Jackson State right now. For sure, but I mean, think about this for a second, Paris. Let this sink in. They have eight, eight SEC transfers from six different SEC teams: two Missouri transfers, two Tennessee transfers as the multi, as the people kids. But you've got Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, Missouri, South Carolina, Mississippi State. I, I mean, it's crazy. I, I don't know how – I guess my point is certainly there are there are guys that get caught in the fray or they don't develop. But when you infuse that much talent onto a swag roster, you have to anticipate that being dynamic. I don't know any other yeah, word. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it certainly uh, – you know, I, I'll tell you this uh, – uh, there hasn't been an offseason before where I thought, you know, I need to get Christian Bird on a podcast and we need to talk about recruiting at Jackson State. So this this is a first, okay? And it's, it's gotten the attention of a lot of people, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. I wanted to ask you uh, also about not a transfer, but a true freshman, uh, Deion's son, Shadir. Uh, Shadir Sanders, and look, he was a four-star quarterback out of da- the Dallas area. Um, the number 240 overall, according to uh, 247 Sports. Uh, he's got the ball right away. True freshman comes in. It's his offense, his team. They take him to swag media days, and, you know, he's speaking with a lot of confidence, as players do. What What do you know about Shadur, the recruit? Well, I mean, I've watched him. He, he kind of looks like the quarterback of – what feels like today, he can throw it, but he can run around. He's elusive, and and you know he's got some football IQ to him. Growing up in in in, in the Sanders household, but you know I I noticed something he said that got a lot of media attention. Paris, he said, "Look," and I'm going to paraphrase here, but it, essentially what he was suggesting was, I don't. He was explaining to the media, I don't think you guys understand. Yeah. We, we have a ton of talent here. We're going to kill everybody we play. So there's a there's a piece of you that says, oh, boy, you got to be careful running your mouth before we get started. There's another piece of you that says he's probably right <laughs> and or he very well could be right. And so I think he has a lot of confidence. I think he knows the same thing we're discussing right now. They haven't done it. But they're not losing to anyone on paper, just like they're not beating anybody. I mean, they're on paper, they look fantastic. And so I think a guy like Sanders – and also, this is worth noting too, when you play big-time Texas football, 
that absolutely translates to the next level, 100%. Because when you play big-time high school football in Texas, it is the closest simulation on a high school level to going to uh, some of the smaller Division I schools. It's not the same, but I can tell you there will be – he's played in front of 30,000, 40,000 people before, no problem. He's felt the pressure of being a quarterback at a big school. He's felt the pressure of being on ESPN. Uh, He's felt the pressure – he knows what that's like. So there are some things – that he's better prepared for than other freshmen are uh, just by default of playing high school football in Texas and being the son of Deion Sanders. Well, it will be interesting to see what uh, Deion and Shador and Shiloh, the brother from South Carolina, one of those transfers, what, uh, what they and so many other transfers and newcomers can get done here in 2021. Shifting gears, uh, Christian, let's talk Mississippi state a little bit. Uh, 17 commits. They're all three stars, it looks like. I'm, I'm referring to a 247 sports list. Uh, Jave Gilmore out of A. Meet, a linebacker, uh, their most recent one on, on uh, August the 2nd. Uh, do you hear uh, recruits buzzing about Mississippi State? Is it uh, likely they're fixing to, uh, to add some higher profile recruits as, as we continue down the road? You know, we've, we've talked about this, Parrish. It, yeah. They are so interesting to me because you, you have to assume that there will be a handful of higher-profile guys. But when I look at their commit list right now and I look at guys like Gilmore, this is exactly the type of player Mississippi State defenses that have been outstanding. This is the type of guy that's on. This 6'4", 200-pound guy that can run, that can tackle. He's a solid three-store. He's a top 500 player in the country. And then they get him, put him through a system, and he plays for the Texans. You know, and for like, like it's exactly what they do. They go get really solid football players who – they develop, and so while maybe there's not a ton of four- and five-star power, and I no way am I suggesting that a couple of these guys don't move up in the rankings, and I certainly think they'll pick off one or two guys that, are, that, that you know, have a little more higher profile. I think Mississippi State is comfortable with this type of commitments, and I say that because they have a proven track record of taking guys like Gilmore and really being successful with them down there. You know, and, and that is a very good program at Amy, Louisiana, just yeah. just below the line there on I fifty five. They really, they really put out uh, put out some talent, including uh, uh, last year's Heisman Trophy winner, you know, Devontae Smith. So uh, that's right. Let's let's not act like this guy. He may be a three star kid, but let's not act like he got he had offers from Kentucky, Georgia Tech, Florida State, Arkansas, which are all respectable. I mean, this is it. This is an SEC caliber player, regardless of whether you put a four star on or not. So for me, when I see a player like Gilmore, you know, I see a player that's a top 17, top 20 player in Louisiana. That's SEC all day long. That's what that is. Um, So, again, we can really get into semantics on how highly he traded. But the reality of it is like this is the type of guy you want on your defense. No matter who you are, his offer list suggested and Mississippi State track record suggested. So. 
All right, uh, looking at the Rebels, uh, it was last year. We talk about will more highly rated uh, recruits come into the fold. I mean, that, that's kind of what Lane Kiffin did last year. And, uh, and this year, uh, only 10 commits right now. It looks like uh, they're, they're holding spots and, and uh, trying to uh, uh, get certain people in the class. Uh, what, what do you say? Yeah, so uh, I think what you're looking at here are a couple of things. Number one, um, I think they're going to be pretty selective, um, extremely selective with who they take. Um, I do think you may see a little bit of a flurry throughout the season. I, listen, I think everybody would love for 90% of their class to be done in December, right? The perfect world. You, you want that early signing period. You want it to get here. You want to lock those guys in. You want to try to get them graduated. You want to get them on campus for spring. That's the formula. That's why the coaches wanted it. They wanted, you know, now it's a little more difficult to focus on that when you're focusing on the season. But I think that what you'll see is you see teams do the work on the front end. They were, you know, they're able to bring kids in earlier, look at them, get them in the system, and then go all in on a handful of highly rated players that maybe didn't get the offer they wanted or hanging around. So I think Old Miss definitely, I don't even think they scratched the surface on some of the quality of players they're going after from what I can gather, but I think they've done a really good job of handling the in-state talent, going after and getting those guys, getting a guy like Harris out of Germantown, getting a guy like George out of George County, I, you know, even Larry Simmons out of Moss Point. I think getting guys that are respectable Mississippi players, um, Clayton out of Tupelo, and, and, and getting those on board, building that. And then what they're going to do is, because Ole Miss is waiting for this season, right, that you feel the energy behind it, the top returning quarterback in the SEC, yeah, 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 going on and on and on. And they're going to use that to their advantage. And I think they're going to make one more push before the first signing period. And I think they're going to ID a handful of guys they go heavy after. And then I'm going to tell you this, Pierce, they're going to play the transfer market. Every single year, they're going to save spots. That's what they want to do. That's who Lane Kiffin is. He said as much when he was hired at Ole Miss. And so Ole Miss fans need to understand they're not going to go sign 28 high school kids. Yeah, I think every coach is going to do that to a degree, but Kiffin's going to do it more. Yeah, he, I, yeah, he, he really, really likes that approach. And, and look uh, – you know, uh, Otis Reese, Jake Springer, Chance Campbell, we talked about it. Uh, we'll see. That that approach will be on display with that defense uh, when the season kicks off here in a little bit. Uh, defense, tell me about Xavier Harris. Uh, 6'8", 335, that's what he's listed at right now. Defensive lineman, what's his, what's his mobility like? Can he move? What do you think? You know, he can move good enough, but here's what I'll tell you about Harris. He doesn't have to move in the right system. <laughs> he just has to not get moved. And so whether you're in a 4-3 or a 3-4, he's plugging space. He demands a double team, period. In the story. You can take from that whatever you want to, but if you don't double team him, he's in the backfield. And that's what, that makes people millions of dollars, that very thing. It's that simple. You free up other one-on-one -on -one matchups by forcing two people to block him. You have to. He's that big. He's that strong. Is he the most mobile defensive lineman uh, that Ole Miss will recruit? Absolutely not. But is he probably one of the most difficult to block? Absolutely. 
Well, when you talk about difficult to block and you look at the JUCO pieces they added this year, you look at Taiwan Malone, uh, you put in a Xavier Harris. Uh, Christian, is it, uh, it almost seems like a transformation to an Ole Miss defensive line or potentially that, uh, that we haven't seen in a while. You know, a defensive line at Ole Miss has often been about uh, finding one guy and, you know, building around him a little bit and, and, and kind of getting by. And it, uh, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, they've uh, had uh, playmakers uh, coming off the edge or at other spots. You know, they, there have been some, been some guys there through the years. That 2008 team was dominant with Parade Jerry right there in the middle. But, but overall, to, to build that position with a number of quality bodies that demand double teams, that free up space for other people, uh, are we seeing a little bit of a transformation at that position, do you think? Yeah, I think we are. I mean, I, listen, it, it's no secret that that was an area where Ole Miss really struggled last year, and they are making a focus now. And in this league, if you don't have a strong defensive front, you're in trouble. You just are. It starts there. And so I think when Ole Miss, like you said, has been the most successful, they can fly around the ball. They're able to get creative with some things they do because they control the front. And I feel like – there is a clear effort to move back to getting not just guys that are quick, guys that are powerful, that are strong, back on that defensive front, and everything else kind of takes care of itself. When you can give your cornerbacks and your safeties and, you know, uh, save them a little bit of time, when you, it, it, when you can make sure your linebackers can roam because they don't have somebody in the second level on them immediately, that's when – you're able to really thrive as a defense. And if you think back, the best Mississippi State and Ole Miss defenses, regardless of which school, they've had great defensive fronts. And I think that Ole Miss is trying to get there, and I think that they're making a, a concerted effort over the last two classes to fix what was a clear problem. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the relative college football talk in Mississippi. We thank you for – being with us. Remember our partners at the Oxford Park Commission. Visit them at oxfordparkcommission.com and come back and join us next week.